Hello and welcome to my compilation episodes of Silence, a podcast where women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, originally a mechanical engineer myself and often the odd one out as a dark-skinned female in engineering. Silence has been running every week for a whole year now, and to celebrate, I've put together a series of six short compilation episodes, which feature an assortment of the best sound bites over the last quarter. The guests you'll hear from over the next six days are true wonder women in STEM, and as with all episodes, I deliberately keep them anonymous so that all can enjoy some honesty, openness, and a little bit of vulnerability. This show is not about labels, accolades, and accomplishments. That stuff can be intimidating. It's about the wisdom gained from the experiences of some incredibly unique and trailblazing women who are tackling the issues around gender, diversity and inclusivity head on. The last year of silence has been so inspiring. Thank you all for joining me on this incredibly empowering journey. Here's the best from episodes 27 to 39. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show and enjoy. Everything that I have in my life is a positive. I don't want there to be something in my life that is dragging me down. Those are the types of things that no one should really have. I mean, as an example, you know, people say you, if you're in an abusive relationship, that's something that will drag you down. It's not good for you. If you're not taking care of your mental health, that's dragging you down. You know, you, you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself and making sure that the things coming into your life are positive things. So I feel like because I, I acknowledge that as something that's important to me and it's, it's something that will help me reevaluate things, that even if I had a life-changing event happen, I don't think that I could ever allow that to negatively impact me. I don't, I don't want to be focused on like riches and glamour. Um, I do want a very, I just want a happy life and a life that's just my job will make me want to get up every morning and go to work and I want like I don't need like a mansion or a lot of money to make me happy I just like want a small like maybe a family maybe not a family I know I want a dog (laughs) um but just a life that's just more free and not so structured but a life that'll make me like happy and not regret anything. Yeah. So it's been really a challenge. I would say that I've been fortunate in that I've had some amazing male um, peers as well as um, C-suite executives that I've reported to. I've also had the opposite. Um, I think that it's it's hard as a woman in a field of people, if you aren't one of those women that goes and plays golf on Fridays, that tells the jokes that, that are being told in the background, and to keep yourself who you are and still interface with all of those other individuals, um, it's always a tight wire, right? You're walking the rope and you have to be careful to stay in your lane for whoever it is that you want to be. And it's easy to fall off on either side. Um, it's easy to fall into the, you know, banter that goes back and forth. And I think that it's super hard to keep yourself off of that line um, and not falling into what the easy answers are. So I think that for a lot of women I've seen, you know, they faced 
a lot of personal struggles getting to where they're going and working in the male-dominated profession. For me personally, I've only had a couple years that were like that, and the rest has been phenomenal. So I really I count myself very lucky, and I do recognize that it's not the same for most women. I think that failing is really important to get to success. I don't think that everything is a smooth ride. Um, and I think that if everything is a smooth, smooth ride to get to your point of success, then I don't know if you're doing everything right. I feel like there always has to be failure in, in some part of what you do because, you know, not everything's going to go the way you want it to. So I, I for me personally, failure hasn't been a, a thing that um, makes me just stop doing what I'm doing. I am not the mothering type. I have never in my life had the thought, oh, I would love to take my kids here when I have them, or oh, I would name my daughter this. Those thoughts never in my entire life crossed my mind. Um, I've said, I think since I was a child, maybe 10 years old, that kids aren't in my future, and that hasn't changed. Um, and I'm expecting that that won't change since it's been well over two decades now that I've said no kids. <laughs> it's just not something that I ever cared about. Um, and to explain this better, this is kind of something I learned in college. Um, I felt like in high school, everyone considered me the smart one, right? I was the smart, the smart black girl. That's, that's how I was defined because how else can you define me? I'm like unique in that way, I guess. And because I'm recognized as a smart black girl, um, other black people might have kind of alienated me because I didn't have street smarts. You know, you're hanging out with those kids, which is fine. I get it. We're not doing the same things. And if you're not in the same class in high school, it's hard to hang out outside of that, especially if you're doing groups. But then for in my quote unquote smart classes, I was the black girl because everyone else in the class was smart, right? So here's my differentiating feature. And every joke that was told, every JK, every, it always had to be about the fact that I was the black one. How I was in Oreo, how they're blacker than me. Oh, come check out my tan. I'm darker than Janelle now. And when that's all people can say about you, when that's all they can say, it's, it's concerning. It makes you start to think, do they even know who I am? Because they claim that like they're just joking and that they don't care that I'm black. But it seems like anytime they talk to me, they have to reference it. And that's all they can reference. I think the first thing for at least the way I look at it is for, for me to be able to do my job and do my job well is don't don't be too inward looking by emphasizing that I am a female. I mean, I am a researcher, I'm an engineer, I'm a person, and I take inspiration from great engineer, great scientists, and I don't think too much about the gender. I think so. I think, you know, we have this idea of what romance is, and science is not romantic, according to every movie you've ever seen, ever. When I think about challenges now, I'm working at a company um, where I get to do some really cool things and I, I run into these different challenges. And one of the challenges we had, one of the problems that I had to fix, it was something that had been, uh, when I took the position, it had been going on for 
probably six or seven months or a little bit longer. And because of my experience, when I looked at it and I started, you know, everybody else had kind of been bringing their own stuff to the table and saying, well, you know, it's been a while to, you know, we've had this problem for a long time. No one's been able to fix it. And it literally took me three days to find the problem because I come in with all that stuff that I've been through. Had I not been through those things, you know, I wouldn't have had this. I could have looked at that and been like, oh my God, I'm working with all these really, really smart people in an environment. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, say the company name or not. But I'm working with a lot of really, really smart people. <laughs> and if, you know, that would be definitely an environment where had I not gone through what I went through, I would have been, you know, really intimidated and I wouldn't have been able to step up into the moment. You know, I didn't feel like it was something I needed to cope with. I was very lucky in that I had a few very close friends. And I was very lucky in that it was instilled in me at a young age that being weird was okay. It was instilled in me at a very young age that not fitting in was all right. And any time it started to get to me, my mother is an absolute saint and would always remind me that eventually you will find your people. Uh, she used to say it as water seeks its own level. And she would always remind me, no, keep doing what you're doing. Don't sacrifice what you like for other people. And eventually you'll find the people who share interests that are similar to yours. And that's not to say that you should only find and enjoy the presence of people who think exactly the same as you do, who have the exact same interests as you do. But it did mean that I was okay and comfortable with the fact that my interests were different from my peers. And it meant that I was generally very comfortable with who I was. Failure is necessary for growth. I, I, I agree. And, and it's a relief for me because what I rec- come to recognize is, you know, you carry that energy with you. You can, you know, you can sense it when people walk into the room, if so, when certain people, how people respond to you. Um, and that's one of the things I recognize. A lot of times you don't have to say anything. It's just the confidence you have about who you are and how you want to be treated. And like, I'll give you a prime example. As soon as I had that, that kind of epitome, I had men opening doors for me left and right. Like I, it wasn't like I was even looking for it. <laughs> I would just, you know, I would walk up and they, it's just, it would just, you don't even, I don't even expect it. It's just kind of like, and I would, you know, I, I can open my own door. I mean, I'm definitely capable, but you know, let them, you know, provide that, you know, that service and share that, that brief moment of, okay, you know, the chivalry thing and, and not even have to be sexist about it or anti-sexist or whatever the terminology is, but it, it really is an energy thing. And I, I think it's very powerful to be able to, to just walk the walk and you don't have to say anything. And doesn't mean people will, will stop making their assumptions. They will, but you, I feel like um, for me, I've been able to respond in a way that that where the anger is dropped down to it's where it's, there's still a little bit of it there, but I realize you know what this person has their world and I can't judge them for how they were raised. Just like I don't want them judging for me, judging me for making an assumption about them that I might have made because I prejudged something external. So if you catch me on a really emotional day and I start spiraling it might make me a little emotional but again it's mostly just like I won't ever get to see what the future holds it's 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 not me not being here anymore and 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 things like that it's just I won't know I won't know will we ever be space space faring humans you know will we ever colonize Mars I hope that happens in my lifetime but 
you know, like, will we ever go to Europa? Will we ever start mining asteroids? What happens when the Earth is finally, like, engulfed by the sun? Will we already be on another planet by then? It's, like, I'm just curious to see where the human species goes. And and I'm not going to be able to see that. And so it bums me out. <laughs> will we speciate again? <laughs> Your ego sometimes lets you know, hey, this is something, you know, you need to do something about this. Because as much as I've had a feeling of, oh, this this resonates with me, I also have also had the feeling when I might read something, whether it's on social media or somewhere in the news, that angers me. And I realize, you know, I don't judge the feeling. I realize, you know, if I'm angry about this, maybe it's because I need to write about this on my blog. Or, I, you know, I need to do something about it. So, you know, there you're right. I agree, I agree with you. I mean, very much so that there's, there's definitely a balance. Um, and it does take, I think, a, a step, it takes an in, intentional step to say, I'm going to tune out the noise for five minutes, right? Or I'm going, and then maybe stretch it into 10 or 15. And, and even, and even putting a number on it sometimes can be egoic, right? Just say, I'm going to tune out the noise for a few moments and take a few breaths, whether you have to go into the restroom and get into a, a stall, which I've done before when I've been in in the midst of a chaotic situation and just kind of steady yourself um, so that you can get your energy right. Otherwise, sometimes, you know, you'll get into a scenario where you wind up you're responding in a way that you, you regret later on. You're like, I could have been more loving about that, you know, or could have had a, a different approach. That's actually a super good question. I don't think that I ever thought that there was an option not to get back up. Somehow the way that I'm personally built is that if you didn't do it as well as you did the first time, then I need to prove to myself that I can do it better the next time. So sometimes, you know, there's a series of knockdowns in a row. I remember when I was first first in my career and moved from law into um, a tel- telecommunications environment, I really didn't know much. And I had these giant customers that I was given and I was supposed to go make something happen from both an individual contributor as well as a leadership role because I kind of had a dual hat at that time. And I lost both of the biggest deals that I'd ever touched um, about 48 hours apart from each other. Um, And as much as they love their children, um, I could sense a tinge of regret. I gave up this in order to have this and, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like I said, they love their children, but they had that tinge of regret. And I'm somebody who doesn't, um, I have, I have very few regrets uh, in, in my life. Everybody probably have an equal chance of being disadvantaged. So, and, and in that sense, I think academic is relatively a fair field, if you know what I mean. Because at the end of the day, all of us are here, probably not just for money. I mean, we, we, we have a salary and, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an okay salary, but we are here more probably to, 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 to fulfill, you know, a calling, so to speak. So it is actually quite important for all of us to be able to work together and try to gather the best people for the job. So maybe the fact that I am in such an environment also means that I have more freedom to express myself as who I am and I don't need to worry as much about my gender. The other thing is is kind of like knowing your place in the world, knowing where you came from, knowing your evolutionary history. And I really, truly think the more you understand about the past, the more 
respect you have for the current. So teamwork is everything. No one can claim that they built a spacecraft by themselves. It was always a group effort. Yes and no. So I think the issues are there because a lot of women don't want other women to be successful in this particular industry. They want to be the one. They want to be the one that moves up. And rather than pulling each other together, they push each other down. Um, and it's it's done in a lot of subtle ways, but I've seen it over and over again. And it's really an unfortunate because I see it all the way from the women that have been here for the last 30 years to the women that are just coming out and they're, you know, they want to be the one, they want the attention, they want to be the center, they want to be the one woman that succeeds in spite of the rest instead of wanting the entire group to succeed. So I talk about that a lot with people, men and women, because I think that it's one of the things that we do to each other. But I also talk about maternity leave. You know, a woman, say she went to medical school, she gets out, she's a doctor, she goes on maternity leave, she decides to stay home for the first two to three years, and then she goes back and she can't get a job. So she's been out two to three years from after going to 14, 15 years of school or more, maybe 20 years of school, and she comes back and there's nowhere for her to fit. Now, that woman is a highly educated, highly trained machine, right? And and we're not giving her the opportunity to come back into the workforce in the same way. And we do the same thing in all the other industries, so for me, I'm looking at, well, how do we encourage those women to come back? How do we not lose them from the workforce? Because they're highly skilled, highly intelligent women, and we lose this entire population who are conflicted between, should I work or should I stay home? It's wonderful. It is the elephant in the laboratory, and it's about sexism and um, mom shaming and essentially the female experience in science and technology in the lab. And I, yeah. And, and what happens when you, you know, try to be a mother and a scientist and, you know, different women kind of, it's broken into chapters of different women telling their stories. And, you know, I know that this was written from a good place, but, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's lean in when I read that, I was just like, Oh, you know, so she's telling me, stick with it, you know, stay at the, you know, don't leave, don't, you know, as uncomfortable as it is, just stay there and, and fight it through. And, you know, at that moment in my life, that was not going to be the healthy thing for me to do. Oh yeah. And he was the, you know, he was the alpha surgeon in the room, right? So no one's really going to challenge that um, because then they could become a target too. So it it really was just a system of, uh, I don't know, sexism, let's just call it what it is, you know, that that you just lived with and expected. My house was basically a natural history library. We had a book on everything. We had a book on human evolution and human civilizations and um, how the universe formed and space and ancient life. And so like I would look through his fossils and then I would go grab a book about those fossils. And so I was constantly identifying stuff from his collection. I would go to the dollar store and buy these there were def decorative baskets of seashells, but I would 
pull them out and organize them by did they have one shell or did they have two shells? And then I would get into my shell ID book and I would organize them by families. And it was ridiculous. I remember the specific experience I had when I was, uh, I remember I was flying into Atlanta. It was one of the areas where I was living at the time. And so flying into Atlanta and I went to take like a shuttle bus to, I think out of the rental car location or something along those lines. And I remember getting into the car or getting into the shuttle bus and I'm so used to being self-sufficient. I'm, you know, getting ready to close the door behind me thinking that's what I want to do. Well, I caught the, I caught the appearance and the reaction of the gentleman who was providing the service. And he almost looked like he was disappointed that, wow, I mean, she, she wants to do everything for herself. I mean, I can't even do this for her. And that's when I realized, oh, wait a second. This is not just about me proving that I'm this, that I'm that, that I can do this. It's sometimes it's a very good space to be in when you know you can do it and you don't have anything to prove to anyone to give somebody the gift of being able to provide the service for you. And it's not, it's, it's, it's a very powerful thing. And I caught it in that moment. It took me seeing that. And I was in my thirties at the time. I was like, wow. Okay. And ever since then, I've been a lot less, oh, I can do it by myself because I know I can, but I'm not so much improving, excuse me, proving it to somebody or having to show them, oh, I can do this on my own. I don't need you to do that. Da, 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 da. And I realized in, you know, looking back the last 10, 12 years, it hasn't weakened me. If anything, it's made me a lot more compassionate um, towards people who actually do need help and not judging them for it because you never know what's going on in the situation. Yes, I think that's right. Um, I think that is the main sort of thing holding um, women back in their set. Well, um, that prevents people from re- women to relate from relating to uh, role models. I think it is, you know, them looking at kind of comparing themselves to the role model and thinking, oh, I'm not there yet. You know, I don't think I can relate to them because I'm not as good as them. And I think as you progress throughout your career, you kind of gain more self-confidence. Also, you kind of... Um, the achievement gap is smaller between you and your role models um so you can relate more to them but i think there's a big problem in that fewer and fewer women are moving through the academic ladder i think lots of women will drop out at earlier stages because of confidence issues and you know a variety of other factors such as um maternity leave policies and uh you know unsociable working hours there's lots of different factors uh, but I do think if self-confidence, self-confidence was more promoted and, you know, I mean, a way to do that would be to have more role models. And just I just basically think that we really do need more women in STEM, especially in senior management roles, because if you have more, then people wouldn't be as intimidated by them because they wouldn't think, oh, there's this one professor in the entire department. You know, her time is extremely valuable. If there were 10, then you'd know that you're not the only person being mentored. You know, success is that feeling of satisfaction of knowing you did the best you could to to be the best you could. Uh, So knowing that you put it all out there, um, because obviously not everybody can hold world records and not everybody uh, can be number one. But if you did the best that you could do, then that's all anyone can expect. And, you know, that's the only reasonable thing you can ask. So, so did you do everything that you could do. Uh, When I was in middle school, a lot of the guys in my class would be overtaking like conversations and stuff. And 
a lot of people didn't think I was that smart because I was a girl and also for some reason because I had blonde hair that was a that was the stereotype in middle school and and so I was told a lot of the times that like I wasn't smart enough and they didn't believe me that I was smart so so I was I did have a difficulty believing that I could even get into the STEM field at some points. But as I went to high school, I went to an all-girls school for the first two years of high school. And that's really where I was able to see myself in a STEM field because I was around all these women that were having the same experiences and that were so encouraging. And there were no guys there to tell me that I couldn't do it. Um, and it was really support. It was like a supporting environment and everything. So that's it from this series of six compilation episodes from shows 27 to 39. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show and catch you tomorrow for more from the best of silence.